Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast where we're going to be exploring above and below the surface. We'll take a deep dive into the world of fishing, diving, and surfing. Every week, we're going to sit down with experts to learn more about them and get their freshest, hottest takes on all things salty. What's up, everyone? Kieran Anderson here. Welcome to Above and Below. I'm super excited to introduce Peter Miller, an amazing fisher. And uh, Peter, talk to us about yourself. Where are you from and what do you do? Well, first off, thanks for having me. And I've been kind of watching your exploits. I got to I got to give you props on on your skills, too. So uh, kudos to you, man. I wish I could do what you do. And uh, but I can't. So I fish. <laughs> thanks, dude. I really appreciate that. Where, where are you from? Uh, originally, I'm from uh, Tappan, New York, a little little upstate of uh, Manhattan. Um, so I kind of lived close to the water, close to the Hudson River growing up as a kid. And I had ponds and lakes. And, you know, three years old, my dad took me fishing and uh, about to be 53 years old. So 50 years ago, I was throwing my little Zebco in the ponds. And uh, that's how it all started. No way. So you've been fishing since you were so little. Yeah, that is rad. What what kind of stuff did you catch? Um, back then it was like anything you could reel in, which was like uh brim and, uh, catfish and then ba- a little bass here and there. And then I'd see carp and that sort of thing. So I kind of focused on that for a while Then a little bit of trout then got into fly fishing for trout. I got 10 and then caught sailfish at 10 when I visited Florida. And then it was like, phew, oh, right and that is the moon. Yeah. That then it all started. Huh? Yeah. Did you, when you lived in New York, did you ever fish like on the ocean side? Yeah, I did. I actually, well, we went through the Hudson River, which actually holds bluefish, fluke, flounder, um, striped bass. And then if you go around the corner through all the bridges, you can get out to like the New Jersey side and Long Island side. You can get into like the bigger quarry, you know, like uh, like the tunas and the mahi and the sharks and and it's no a way. amazing fishery, actually. People don't know about it. A lot of people don't know about it. Wow. Yeah, I, I didn't know of that at all. Yeah. I just know there's wave. There can be really good waves there. Really? That's all I know, though. Yeah. In Jersey, yeah. Jersey has some pretty good waves. And like Jersey, Montauk, yeah. uh, Long Island, they have some good waves. Yep. So rad. Yeah. There's a lot. I feel like there's a lot to do over there besides just like cruise around, fish and whatever. Like there's so much to do in New York. And, and everybody thinks of New York like New York City. Yeah, but there's actual like land and like crazy stuff to do there, and and New Jersey, which is like right there. So you're you're in New York, you're looking across the river at New Jersey, and when you drive through New Jersey, you see like uh, Newark Airport, and you see this, and you see that, um, and like factories, and then all of a sudden you're in rolling hills with like horse ranches and and beautiful lakes and golf courses and and incredible homes, and then you have the ocean side which like the Jersey shore, I mean, that's some of the best fishing in the world down in like Point Pleasant and, you know, going out offshore there, you get into the canyons where you catch the tunas and the marlin and the swords and the mahi. So it's um, unless you kind of explore it as a fisherman or as an outdoorsman, you would never know. But if you look at it, just driving, I got to get to the airport, got to get to this airport. You're like, oh, it's just like factories and, and, you know, dirt. Yeah. But it's not. (laughs) When you were a kid, did you go on boats a lot or were you just like land fishing? I started land fishing and then my treat, my the treat my dad would give would be like, hey, Peter, thinking about going on this boat tomorrow. And it was like a head boat or a party boat, depending on where you're from. Um, and there might be 30 to 40 people on this boat. Everyone pays a certain fee. You bring your own rod. They provide the bait. You bring like a cooler with some lunch. 
and you go out for a full day. And uh, that was like my favorite thing in, in, in my life to do. My dad would be like, hey, got a fishing report, man. I heard they're biting. You know, do you want to skip school tomorrow? And I'm like, what? That's so fun. And then we'd go. Yeah. That's like, we have those little charters here too. And it's so fun to do those. I haven't done one in a while, but I need to get back on it. Yeah. And you're um, where? I'm in Carlsbad, California. Okay. Yeah. So you have, uh, what do you have out there? You guys have like uh, yellowtail and, and that sort of thing? Yep. Yellowtail. We're getting bluefin right now, which is super cool. Uh, I want to take my jet ski out and try to catch one so bad. Ooh. I was actually talking to Ryder DeVoe recently about that. And I was like, hey, you should try to get the sea back so we can go take the skis out and try to catch one because I want to get pulled around on my ski. It'd be so fun. That would be so sick. Put like a little rod holder mount, like a little uh, exactly set up. Yeah. So, cause people do that. Like, it's like a big thing around here. Like people bring their skis out cause they're, it's so accessible to get to places from here. Right. Like, and we have a boat launch from my house, like 10 minutes away. Uh-huh. And that's where I take my, my jet ski out to go do step offs or towings or whatever. Okay. You just go around onto the base cause you're allowed to ride there. So we go surf there all the tow time. Wins, man. So a tow in to me means like from all I know is from like point break, if you're getting towed in, that's a big wave, right? Um, it depends. Like, so we'll tow into like littler waves to try airs and stuff, but I have towed into some, some pretty big waves. Yeah. It's fun to do and you get scared. So oh I like that. Yeah. It looks so scary. What's the biggest wave you ever surfed? Do you think? Uh, probably in Oregon. I caught, uh, anywhere from 45 foot to 50 oh. foot faces. Oh my God. Yeah. That was, that was, that was a really scary day. It gets big up there. Really big. 45. Yeah. Probably around there. Oh. I wish I could show a photo to you, but do you surf at all? Or do you, no, are you no. just, I mean, full? I can, I mean, little waves, like little, like fun, fun waves and like little peelers and, you know, cause I never really did it, but my daughter started doing it. So I jumped on like, you know, bored with her when she was taking a class and I started surfing. I was going straight down the face of the wave. I'm like, this is not working. And then I watched this one guy. I'm like, wait, you're supposed to go sideways, like down the wave. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember like turning left and I was like Zoolander. I'm like, I can't turn left. And I turned left and I caught this wave. And I literally, I was like running up and down the board, like an old Hawaiian. And I was like, you know, because I've, I wakeboarded, I windsurfed, I've done all that stuff. So I had the idea of like my tips going under, I got to run back. And then I lost it. So I remember riding this thing. It felt like a mile. By the time I got to the beach, I was like, where is my daughter? I'm like, where did I, where is everybody? I was like, that was awesome. That's so rad. Yeah. I love it. Surfing to me is like, just being in the ocean is the best thing ever. Yeah. You're not kidding. It's insane. When, when did you get involved with salt life? Uh, I want to say, uh, gosh, it's gotta be like seven to eight years now. And um, I still remember the day I talked to the CEO, Jeff Stillwell through a yeah. friend, gave me his number and I called him and I told him about the show and, and uh, I said, hey, you know, let's do something. He goes, all right, sounds good. Let's do it. And I was like, huh? I remember sitting like on my driveway, like on the ground, on the hot pavement, kind of like crossed my legs and I was just on the phone because everybody was loud in the house and he was just so cool and he was just, he just got it and I told him what I was doing and uh, he loved the idea and now we've been working together for a really long time. You know, my first show, Basta Billfish, and now my new show, well, four years in, is called Uncharted Waters on Discovery Channel. And, um, you know, you couldn't be a greater company, greater guys that are running it. And, you know, I just am absolutely blessed to be a part of it. Rad. Yeah. Wait, so you have shows. How did you start? How did that 
evolve? Well, I uh, I started okay. I was I was fishing tournaments, and my team became like the top team in South Florida history. We won. We went to the podium like 125 or six times, like with oh cardboard my. checks, whatever it was. From you know, I say that you know a lot of people say like he's won 120. No, no, I haven't won them, but. Sometimes you win the biggest dolphin in a sailfish tournament, so you're holding up a $10,000 check. Sometimes you win the biggest kingfish or tuna. Sometimes you win the first day or the second day or the third day or an aggregate. And then sometimes you win it all, and that's when you're up there pumping like a $480,000 check, and you're just like, ooh, so we did that. And that's why we're three-time world sailfish champions, because we won that particular tournament three times. And then on the other times of that same tournament, we would win – you know, uh, a daily or two dailies or, or whatever, the first fish of the tournament, whatever it was. So Key West was like kind of our spot to go down and just crush it. And then we fished all the way from, you know, we did St. Thomas, we did Belize, we did Puerto Rico, um, Dominican, uh, Venezuela. So we fished all over the world, the Bahamas. And then after having kids, you kind of rein it in and we bring it, you know, bring it back down to, uh, you know, kind of a little more local. Yeah. What, um, when you traveled to all those places, would you drive their boats down or would you like rent and charter a boat from there? Or do you, do you obviously, you probably know people. Yeah. Well, yeah. we knew a lot of people. You're right. We knew a lot of people. And then we had friends that would actually take their boats down there and wow. uh, they would invite us down and they'd say, Hey, you know, cause my friend Kit and I were considered, you know, good anglers. And we actually, you know, made the completion on the fish. You know, you get a, a 300 pound Marlin comes up behind the boat you need some practice. You need to learn how to be able to put a, put a bait in front of them, know what to do and how to do it. And, and, uh, we got good at it because we traveled and fish so much. So we became like invited quite a bit, which was really cool. So, um, they would have their boats there. They'd keep them there for a month or two at a time. Some places we would charter like Venezuela would be there for a whole season. And you would just hop on their boat. We'd hop on their boat and we would be, I would be an angler and I would, you know, we sometimes rotate between rods. You'd have like four baits in the tournament and you'd have two mates. So there'd be four anglers, two mates and a captain. And it'd be my buddy and I, and the other two anglers would be like the owners, for instance, or the owner and a friend. And, um, you basically have one rod per half hour and then you rotate because if one rod was a hot rod, the one like right off the transom. Uh, on the right side, if that was a hot rod, everybody should have a shot at it. So we rotated every 30 minutes. If you had to use a bathroom, you would basically have to just go right where you are and you just, hey, everybody turn around. And if we fished with women, there was a woman we fished with that kept a bucket next to her. That's how hard wow. she was because she didn't want to miss her fish and no one could touch her rod. So she would have to basically stay there and right in the middle of it, one day it did happen. And it was, we've, we've seen a couple of funny things. <laughs> Dude, that's so rad. What a good experience. That sounds so fun. Yeah, it was. Do you still do fishing tournaments? Yeah, actually, we did one uh, three weeks ago. Kind of, uh, you know, I have a new boat sponsor, Invincible Boats, and and they've been great. And they provided me with a 35-foot cat with a tower with twin wow. 400s and the things things phenomenal. And, I, and we got my old team back together. And uh, we went out there, and uh, we had first place in the tournament to, like, the last – maybe 15 minutes and this guy kind of crept up on us and he wound up catching like a couple more fish in us, like in the last minute. So we got second place in the sailfish division. I got first place angler because I caught the most sailfish out of everybody like individually. And then we caught the biggest Mahi, which was like 43 pounds, which was hairy to say the least. You got a 43 pounder on the leader 
and it's rough and the captain's bumping into the waves and I got this long gaff and the fish is paddling oh, no hard way. and you're like, oh my God, and why do I have the gaff? This is so... And we kind of missed him a couple times, but I finally got him, swung him into the boat and it was a lot bigger than I thought. I stuck him and I went to go swing him in and I kind of got stuck halfway and I just had to like almost fall backwards into the boat and we got him in the wow. boat. So we won, we won a bunch of money and, and everyone's like, wow, you guys still got it. You know, you, you never, you never. That's so beach. rad. Yeah. I feel like you get those big checks and stuff, but people don't realize how much money it goes into the fishing too. Oh yeah. It's, it's super expensive. I remember one of the first tournaments we fished, we got like a free entry. It was the world selfish championship in 2003, one of the first biggies. And, um, because we had won this one tournament, they gave us a free entry into this tournament, basically trying to get us down there, trying to tell everybody almost like doing PR work, like, Hey, we're going mm -hmm. down to Key West. You guys come in and we, we got a free entry. So when we got there, my buddy and I were like, yeah, it's going to be great. And then they said, Oh, do you want to get in the side bet? And I'm like, what's the side bet? They're like, uh, 5,000 bucks. And I looked at my buddy and I was like, 5,000 bucks. I was like, all right, well, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's just pull our money together and do it. And no way. Lo and behold, we won the whole darn thing and we walked away and our pockets were stuffed with cash. And we had a no giant way. happy Gilmore check. We won a hundred grand. And then we had our pockets stuffed with cash for the rest of the Calcutta. Walking around Key West at like one o'clock in the morning with our pockets like out to here. We're, we're walking around like, man, we're going to get so mugged. We, we better get back oh to the hotel. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you have lived a life. That is uh, insane. Oh, uh, it's been fun, man. What, what is your, what's your favorite fish to, to go after? Well, since, since, since it's what brought me to the game, I'd have to say sailfish or billfish um, because, you know, sailfish, fastest fish in the ocean, 72 miles an hour. You know, you hook up with a sail and, and they start taking off. I mean, it's just like you can't beat it. They're in, they're in the air the whole time. But tuna, I love tuna, but they eat and they're down. You know, and you get them at the yeah. last minute, you see them, they're in the boat. You're like, we got a tuna. But something about a, a billfish, you know, when they're greyhounding and they're jumping and sailfish, you know, I've seen them jump 60 times during a fight, you know, and they're on their sides wow. like going across the water. And then the blue marlin are greyhounding with like super like muscular, powerful and you know, it's just kind of very dramatic, you know, and it's very intense. And when they come up to eat the bait, it's kind of like you're going to war. You know, you see them coming to bait. They put their peck fins out and they turn turquoise blue. They get lit up and they're back behind the bait. And sometimes their bill is like this. And sometimes it's like this. And you're like, you look at the base of their bill and you're like, holy shit, that's a 500 pounder that's about to eat my bait. Like we're about to go to war. It could take an hour, could take two hours. It might take 15 minutes. You don't even know. So you have to take a deep breath. And just prepare for whatever's about to happen. What's the what's the longest you've taken to pulling in? Um, I'd say roughly about three hours on on a swordfish. Oh my! In that rough, is insane. rough seas too. Like the boat's like you know like this, and you're kind of hanging on by like your you know your knees are under the gunnel, and you're pumping the fish, pumping the fish, and you think you got them. It's dark out, and then the fish sounds and takes all the line you just got back down to you know eight nine hundred feet deep and you're like oh my god that particular one was like probably like a 300 pound swordfish jeez what what's the biggest biggest was probably 600 pound blue marlin uh, oh my goodness Thomas. that is insane it was glass calm we had just been out like out there fishing this it's called the uh the, the bank um oh my god i can't remember i i'm 
it's escaping me. I'll remember it in a minute. Uh, the North Drop, they call it. And um, we went inside to have lunch. And these guys were like full concierge service. It was friends of ours. And they're like, we got like filet mignon and we've got chocolate cake. And we've got macaroni and cheese and we got this and that. And we're having like beers and we're inside the salon, which is for those of you who don't know, it's just the cabin of the boat, but they call it a salon. It sounds kind of like lofty, but that's what it's called. And um, <laughs> we, we went in and we like pounded this food down and it was like 98 degrees outside slick calm giant lures chugging out there as we're eating and we just see the center rod just double over and we just see a, a marlin like you know tearing up the water all white water behind the boat and we look at each other like who's gonna take it and i'm like man i'm still eating macaroni so i'm like yeah, I'm, I'm out i'm still no eating way <laughs> and, I had, and here here's here's the here's the, the the craziest thing is i had fractured my femur on a mountain bike jump so i was just coming out of like i was just healing up I had a metal rod on my leg. I was still like on no crutches. way. I was kind of hopping around. So I kind of looked at my buddy. I joked about the food eating, but like, I was like, bro, I'm like kind of injured and you're okay. So he goes out there, gets in the chair. They put the rod in the chair and he's fighting this fish and we're all clearing the lines and his fish is greyhounding like that way, like way to the left. And we're all watching it while watching it. I'm watching behind the boat where I'm bringing the other stuff in. And I see this other marlin start coming and I look at his bill and it was like the base of the bill was like, and I see him come and he like, he's tr trying to eat the teaser. The captain's bringing the teasers in without looking. He's like wheeling them in from up top. You bring them in from up top and he's still looking at that fish going away. And this marlin's coming in with a teaser and I'm staring at it and I get this pitch bait rod, which is just a rod with a ballyhoo on the end. And I drop it back. Like I've always done. I couldn't resist. It was like a little kid in a candy shop. And I dropped the thing back and we have this famous photographer with us, Richard Gibson. He did, he's done like every fishing cover, like every magazine times 10, um, Marlin sale, everything really big fish. That's what he does. And, um, I go, Hey, I go, I go, Captain Randy, Randy Gendersy was the captain. I said, Randy, I'm going on him. And he goes, you're going on what? Like he hadn't even seen it yet. And because the fish had just eaten it and he's going away and I free spooled. Fish is taking line and I'm just about to lock it up. I'm like, I'm going on it, which is locking up. And I look up at him and Richard Gibson, the photographer's in the tower with the camera, like trained on the fish, like with a big lens. And he goes like this to me, like he saw the whole thing. And I was like, and I'm like, and I hit Give this thing, I hit up. the drag and the fish just stopped in the water and just went, and he just stayed there. He wouldn't even move like me, pulled the boat moving and me like holding the rod didn't even like budge this thing. It was like a submarine. And he just sat there just like windshield wiping, they call it. And my buddy's fish is going this way. And they're like, oh, my God, we got a double. Long story short, I'm on one leg because I'm basically balancing. This is like a kickstand, my bad leg. And my good leg is, you know, the one I'm, I'm using all my power on. And I go, do you guys have a fighting belt? And they go, no, we don't even have a fighting belt. And I'm no like, way. oh, my God. So they found this like little tiny like baby sailfish one that you strap on like made out of like, uh, I don't know, like hemp or whatever the heck it was. It was like, I don't know, like, like a sack, like material. Mm -hmm. And, and you, I put the rod in there just to give me enough cushion, but it was barely helping. So they found this like harness that I was able to put around my shoulders. It looked like a bra <laughs> and I was able to like clip it in the reel. So it bent my like shoulders forward. So I was kind of like pulling like this and we wound up landing. His was 450 and mine was 600. One hour, somehow we got him to the boat and we released both of them like, and he got pictures oh, and that my. was back in 
early nineties. What, what pound test do you use for those? Probably his was on a bigger one. His was probably 80. And I want to say mine was probably 50 pound test, maybe 80 pound test. I'm not even and sure. You brought in a 600 pounder with that is insane. Yeah. That's, that's the key. If you, if you want to get a big fish, you can either use all the drag in the world and hope for the best, or you can lighten your drag and go after them and hope that the fish stays up on the surface. And that's what they do a lot. If you use lighter drag, the fish will stay on the surface. Heavier drag, they're like, oh, forget it. Boom, down to the bottom. You know, they go deep. So both fish stayed up, thank God. But they went in separate directions. And uh, we wound up getting them both. It was a pretty, pretty cool day. Do you follow the fish with the boat? Yeah, yeah. You got to back up after them because we were losing so much line. We would have been down to the knots on both of them had we not, had the captain not been able to maneuver the boat properly to get to the fish. What happens if like there's crazy waves and stuff or like currents and everything just going over the back? Of the I've boat? taken waves 10 feet over my head, back and down full speed. We've, we, we filled the cockpit one time. Uh, okay. <laughs> I got so many stories, man. I'm an old dog. I'm 53 years old. I've seen a few things, but not anymore, <laughs> but we were in a sailfish tournament in in Chica Lodge, which is down in Alamorada. And we were kind of close. We we needed like one fish. We were tied, but we were like back. We were like, everyone had six fish or 10 fish, whatever it was. Everyone had 10 fish, six boats with 10. But we were like in fifth place with ours because we were on time. You know, like the guy, be, guy in first caught it at one o'clock. The guy in second caught his at two. The guy at third, you know, at 2.30, whatever. And we caught ours at like 3.45 and it was lines out at four. So we were accepting that we got fifth place or whatever, sixth place, whatever it was, but we still tied with an amount of fish. So I had a fish on and I'm fighting him and the captain's on the phone kind of, we've kind of given up and he's backing up, backing up, backing up, trying to get this fish. We we're sure it's a Bonita, which doesn't really count like a albacore. They call them little tunnies yep. down here. Never jumped, never did anything. And now we're down to like, probably like 20 seconds left in the tournament. The captain doesn't, even, you know, he's still just back in regular speed. And just as we're about to like grab the leader, a sailfish comes jumping out behind the boat. And it was like, we have a sailfish. He's like, get lit hooked up right now. They're like, we got to get lit hooked up. We got five seconds to go. All right, everybody, five seconds to go. All right, lines out. We got one boat hooked up and it's get lit. And he starts throwing it in reverse. Water's coming over the gunnels, waves coming over. The cockpit was full, like to my belly button in a sport fish and the salon door was open. So oh, all the water came my. through and he just kept backing and he wasn't looking down. The bay wells came loose. Their hundred gallon wells are smashing in our legs, our glasses, our shoes, all of our nets and gloves and everything we owned in the cockpit, cell phones all went out the boat. Salon doors open, water went down through the cabin, through down the steps into all the staterooms. The entire boat was like, we almost sunk. We had to open the door and like bump it forward, but we still had to get the release. So he's still trying to get this fish. We got the fish. We basically like worked on the boat for a month after that, but we won the tournament. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that is, dude, what, what, is, what goes into cleaning a boat after that? I mean, salt water obviously is not good for anything. Oh so. man, pull out everything, pull out the carpet, put fans in there, turn on the AC, oh, no. new carpet, and then just kind of just, just trying to dry everything as fast as you can before everything sets in. But it was like, it was like completely soaked. I mean, we were so close to sinking 
It was ridiculous. I'll never forget that moment. And I was like, guys, the bait wells are going to crush our leg. They're going to break our legs. You know, wow. you're standing in water like up to your chest now. And we're still going backwards. And I'm like, uh. that sounds actually scary. Yeah, it was, but we did it. But we did it. (laughs) But it's it's all part of the adventure. And then afterwards, (laughs) you're just so stoked. You're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we got the fish. Yeah. Like if you ain't running, you ain't racing. If you ain't sinking, you ain't winning. (laughs) I love that. That's so rad. Yeah. What's your what's your favorite place to go fish in the whole world? Uh, Let's see. You know, pound for pound, Miami is Probably one of the best because we got it all here. You know, we got sailfish, swordfish, marlin, mahi, tuna, kingfish, sharks, bonefish, tarpon, snook, permit. I mean, we have, and then we have the bottom fish. Everything. Yeah, we have everything. And then you got like wonderful restaurants and great hotels and it's safe and that sort of thing. But Guatemala is like last calm. You could practice your sailfishing all day long because you get so many shots at sailfish big sailfish that come up and marlin and tuna and mahi and you stay on the premises you do your thing like i go to pacific fins and they treat you like gold pick you up at the airport beers and water in the cooler you take the bus to the place all meals taken care of they cook your fresh fish on the on the boat while you're catching mahi they'll cut one up and make you a fish sandwich you're you know you get picked up you come back cocktails are waiting you jump in the pool it's like it's like fantasy island so if anyone's wow. listening to this and you guys want to go anywhere, I'd say Pacific Fins, Guatemala or or Miami. And is it pretty affordable down there? Yeah. Like in Guatemala? Yeah. They want me to actually put together a trip. He said, Peter, put together a trip, bring down 10, 20 people. And it's like, I don't know, like $3,500 a person for three wow. days of fishing and all the food and drink and open bar, a la carte food, whatever you want. I mean, you could have, you could say, I want you know, to, is sashimi, like tuna, yellowfin tuna for every single meal with a vodka, whatever. I mean, it's like as much as you can drink and eat. And the fishing is, you know, that's not much for, for three no, days of fishing. Insane. Yeah. That's, that's wow. actually really reasonable. So, and you're going to catch them. It's not like you're going somewhere and it's like, I might catch them. I'm going to Hawaii. I'm looking for a grander, but I guess I only caught a barracuda. So I'll see you later. This is guaranteed. You're going to catch like scores of sailfish. That's rad. I want to go there. That sounds amazing. Yeah. I need to start fishing more. I really do. I should put together like, a trip. I want to go. Let's do it. Yeah. That'd be so fun. Cause like I just surf every day and like, that's my thing. And you're fishing every day. How often are you on a boat? Now more than usual. Uh, I was, it was like 250 days a year and then it, it dropped considerably. 250? Yeah. On a oh boat, you know, my. whether it's bait fishing, pre-fishing, tournament fishing, fun fishing. And then it went down to like, you know, maybe a hundred. Um, and then I got a boat sponsor invincible came to me and they said, I had yellowfin, but I stopped doing that show, uh, which was bass to billfish yellowfin sponsored that. And then we had a amicable kind of separation and I kind of went and started doing my other show, uh, uncharted waters and, um, invincible came to me like two years later and they said, Hey, we'd love to work with you. Like, what's it going to take? And we talked about it. And before I knew it, you know, I had this beautiful, 35 cat and now we're on it all the time and then i moved to a lake so now i have a little flats a 17 yellowfin flats boat on the lake and we go bass fishing like almost every single night that's so cool yeah that is so fun yeah that's like me and surfing but i don't have a boat i want to get a boat i have a jet ski though kind of counts yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh so out of all of all of your trips would you say that that was like probably the most crazy story the one with all the water coming over the boat 
Or do you have some like other crazy? I want to hear your craziest fishing story. Uh, well, I, I would say one of my most memorable, I, which I've told, I've, I've, I've said a lot and a lot of people may have heard it, but um, there was a day in June, it was June 2nd or 3rd. I want to say my son was about four years old and I dropped him off at school. My uh, now ex-wife at the time was out of town and we had a babysitter picking him up um, at the end of the day, which was like three or four o'clock. So here it was like seven 30 in the morning, 8, 8 AM. And I'm like, I had two choices. I was pulling out of the parking lot of school. I could have gone home one mile or go towards my boat, which was like two miles away. And I looked at the weather and I was like, Hmm, I, th- I said, I'm going to go fishing. And I had no food, no drinks, no nothing. I had what was ever on the boat, no chum to catch bait. I had my cast net. Um, so I put all the stuff, you know, that I had, you know, from the garage and, and I, I put it on my buddy, my boat, my boat was at my buddy's house. And, um, I put my kite rods on my kites, my spinning rods, my cast net, blah, blah, blah. And I turned on my, my VHF radio. And as I was heading through the channel, the canal to go offshore, I heard one of the captains say, Hey, it was a friend of mine. His name is Bouncer Smith. He says, Hey, Jimbo, they're pouring through in 140 feet. And I, I thought to myself, I've never heard that term like pouring through. And I thought to myself, he can only mean like sailfish. Like there's nothing that pours through like that. And I was thinking, okay, if that's sailfish, this is going to be like ridiculous. So I went out, no chum. I went to this marker. I had this brand new cast net and I marked the fish on the finder. I saw him. I could see him visually and I saw him on my finder and I threw my 12 foot cast net and it opened up like pancake landed on him. And when I pulled the thing in, I couldn't even get it in the boat. I had to pull it over corner by corner by corner and put the bait in the boat. Like I had to kick them in, net them in. Got like 500 like pilchards like this, like, like perfect. Like it was choreographed. And I was like, okay, I got my rods. I got my bait. Now I need to just find out where everybody is. So I started running to a spot that was uh, known to me that everyone kind of knows. It was about seven miles south. And as I got there, I saw a boat. A friend of mine and he was hooked up with two sailfish and they're both fighting and they're running around the boat and i was like okay i guess this is a good enough spot to start so i got south of them because the fish swim south you know so they swam past them so i got south of him and i put out two baits pilchard pilchard spinners in the holders and i turned around to go get you know like whatever else i was going to do which is going to put out kites and this and that and I looked behind the boat and there's already two sailfish like in the air. I got two on. And are I had, you I had even are you, Were you by yourself? Yeah, by myself. How do you do that? You, I mean, are you just, are you drifting? Your boat's just yeah, drifting. Yeah, you're drifting. So like you're running around the boat as fast as you can. And you hope <laughs> that you have enough rod holders because you have to run, wind, put it in the holder, run, wind, put it in the holder. And just you're running. Are and you you're just, kidding like, me? Or whatever. So I caught these two fish and I remember cutting them off like, like this and like this. And I put the rods down on the deck. And as I put them on the deck, I put out another spinner just while I was kind of retie those. And then I hooked up with a third, caught the third one. So I'm going, going, going. Finally, I, I'm up to like eight sailfish now. And now the charter boats are all out. And there's like three crew members and six people on the boat. So we got like nine people on the charter boat next to me, nine people on the charter boat here. And then there's little old me on my boat. And, uh, I started, you know, trying to catch more. So it got to the time, it got to the point where I, I was on, I think I was on my like eighth sailfish. And I remember looking down and seeing like sailfish 
swimming around my boat like a school of mahi. And I, everywhere I looked, I saw like these black, they look like black hefty bags and their dorsals were up and they're swimming around. And I was like, I was blown away. It was kind of like an emotional moment. I was like, oh my God, this is like what people dream of, like to see this in person and be to be by yourself and doing this, everything you've ever trained for, everything you've ever done to this one moment to see how you can capitalize. So I wind up catching my eighth fish and I see all these fish. I can't even get another ride out at this point. I'm already burnt. I caught blackfin tuna. My fingers are bleeding. The deck's bloody. There's fish everywhere. I'm sunburned. I'm dehydrated. And um, the captain next to me goes, Peter, like, what are you going to do? He's like, how many you got? I said, eight. I said, how many you got? He said, eight. And I'm thinking, man, you got nine people. and You got eight. I got eight, man. I really have to beat you. I have to win. <laughs> Competitive drive. Yeah. He's like, man, he goes, well... I'll leave them to you, man. Good luck. He goes, I'm going to head in. I said, all right, man, take it easy. So I figured I'm going to catch one in a second, but they, the bike kind of turned off. And I'm like, man, I tried for like another hour. And I'm like, well, I guess that's it. So I make a U, I pull my, all my stuff in. I make a U-turn. The sun's kind of setting. It's, a, you know, it's, it's summer. It's, seven, it's, you know, 8, 8 p.m. maybe. And I turn around, sun setting, and I'm riding home. And I look back one last time. And I see the sailfish start free jumping, which means he's just like, he's with another pack of fish. And I'm like, Damn no it. way. I turned the wheel and I spun back. I ran south. I put all my stuff out, no bites. And I'm like, what is going on? How come, why is this happening? I have to get a ninth. So I put out a kite. I put out another kite, six baits dangling off the kite. And now I have two spinners out. So now I have eight baits in the water and I'm drifting to the north. Past this boat that's anchored, like a family of like eight that's anchored like on the reef, like watching me. And I'm drifting past them and I'm sitting there going, God, I got to get another bite. I got to get another bite. And the wind was dropping. My kites were kind of starting to flutter. And I was like, oh, man, I was getting defeated again. And all of a sudden I just heard pink, pink. I was like, what are those sounds? And it was just like everything was popping out. Every single rod went. And I'm like, no. And I had eight rods. So I'm like. Whoa. And all I just see is sailfish everywhere I look, jumping with hooks in their mouths. And I'm like, oh my God. The lines are crossing. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So now it turned out that I had like two or three came off. I had five on and then two were scissoring on each other. So I had to like cut one off because I know they were both going to break and I'd have no line on either one. So I didn't know what to do. So I cut one. So now I'm down to four. Uh, yeah, I'm down to four rods. I'm whining on this one, running here. I got the boat in autopilot. I'm chasing him at five miles an hour this way, that way, this way. I look at the back rod. It's bent in the butt, like down to the knot, like no drag coming on. The rod's like this, like literally like almost about to break. And uh, it stopped at the knot and it like flipped the fish backwards. So he stayed on. And then I fight this one, I fight this one, I fight this one. So the first one I get to the boat happens to be like a 30-pound black fin tuna. I swing him in the boat. You know, my fingers are bleeding because I keep slicing my pinkies because I'm wrapping and slinging them in the boat. I'm stepping over fish. And then I wind up catching the next three sailfish. So I caught 11. So oh, it was like eight, nine, 10, 11, and like 30 blackfin tuna and like the sunburn from hell and the dehydration. And then this storm kicks up and I'm like looking at it like, oh, no. I, so I'm like, holy cow. So I throw all my rods on the deck of the boat. I call my buddy. I go, listen, do you have any food and anything to drink? I said, I literally, I got, I need like first aid. <laughs> so I come in full speed. This storm is buzzing my rod tips. Like the lightning is getting the, uh, the, the carbon fiber rods. And you can hear zzz, like that. You're like, oh my God, I'm going to get hit by lightning. 
So I'm going through the canal full speed. I pull up his house. This thunderstorm was like the worst I've ever seen. And I get in his house and he's got this, this plate of food for me. It was like, it's called chicken kitchen, this yellow rice and chicken with like two Gatorades and a cup of ice. And I was like, Oh, You're like, this is the best meal ever. Yeah, it was the best meal ever. And it was like the greatest, one of my greatest like days ever, you know, did you, did you have to go pick up your kid from school after that? No, or no, the you... nanny had picked him up. And they, I called oh, him. Oh, you're nanny so had lucky. Can you imagine? No. <laughs> I thought you were going to stay. say, like, on top of all of this, I had to make it to my kid, and it didn't really work out. But did, did, how many kids do you have? I have uh, two. My son is now 22, and wow. he just graduated USC uh, like two weeks ago. No way. Yeah. That's and, awesome. What do you yeah, study? He studied uh, cinematic arts and business. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Does he fish? A little bit. Yeah, he's not that into it. You know, when your dad's like the fisherman or a surfer, maybe the kids don't really do it. They want to go a different route. That's 100% true. Yeah. And if I was a cobbler, like a shoemaker, he'd be like, oh, I'd rather be a fisherman. Yeah. My daughter is uh, 17. She likes to fish a little bit. She actually takes her boyfriend out on the boat and like shows him how to like tie knots. And That is so funny. I love that. Yeah. And we she's don't like, have- oh, hold it like this. No, 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 not like that. It looks better in the picture when you put the thumb in and you turn your hand, your wrist in <laughs> and never use two hands because it makes the fish. It gives, you know, oh, it's so funny. That is so cool. That is really cool. I like that. Yeah. I got some questions from the Salt Life family here for you. All right. We have heard that you're quite the chef. What's your uh, favorite fish to eat? And tell me about some meals that you like to make. I would say one of my favorite fish to eat is uh, there's a few, but. Besides like sashimi, like tuna sashimi, which is not really chefing, that's just cutting. But um, <laughs> I would say mutton snapper. Um, that's one of my favorites. And I, I do it with pretty simply with with like butter, white wine, capers and lemon, sometimes breadcrumbs, you know, dip it in egg, do some breadcrumbs and then, you know, capers, white wine, butter. That's kind of my go to for for a lot of my things. You can't miss with those ingredients, you know, that's rad. Yeah. Do you cook at home like a ton or? Are you kind of that out to eat kind of guy? Yeah, no, I actually prefer to cook at home because I know I'm going to get a better meal. It's very rare to go out to a restaurant and be like, wow, that was the best thing I've ever. That was the greatest steak I ever had. Yeah. That was the greatest fish. It's healthier, too. Yeah, it's like dry or funky or, or something's not right, you know, but I much prefer to like make a meal here and eat it because, you know, it's going to be just like out of this world, except for octopus. I can't figure out octopus. I go to restaurants <laughs> for that. I, I can't just I can't do it. That's funny. Yeah. What? Uh, so throughout your whole entire fishing career and all the events you've been in and everything, and obviously you have your Discovery Channel um, series, have you have you got to meet a ton of like crazy famous people? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I prior prior to like all the fishing and all the stuff, I was also doing like TV commercials. I was modeling. I was doing TV stuff. I was hosting some stuff. I was I was doing some philanthropy work and, and emceeing things and. um yeah, I mean, I've you know I've been to met Rihanna and and uh, Jay Z, no way, Beyonce and and uh, Kevin Hart and and uh, Ice Cube and I think it would be so rad if you got some of those people on the show to fish. Yeah, and a lot of them love it. I mean, you look at look at The Rock, for instance. He posted you know about a month ago, and the whole fishing community went wild because he was holding up a bass. He's like, you know, and I need to relax. I go bass fishing in my lake, and I have it, you know well manicured by this team that comes out and fertilizes and kills the weeds and feeds and this and that. And it's like everywhere you look, you have, you know, celebrities and athletes, especially like golfers, hockey players, basketball players, football players, 
I get emails all the time from their agents like, hey, he really wants to be on your show or he wants to fish with you. Ray Lewis called me one time. I don't know if, you know, you know, he's kind of a big deal. And he called me. He's like, hey, man, I'd love to love to fish with you one day and, and whatever. You know, I'm like, oh, OK. I'm like, is this like the Ray Lewis? I'm like, it's kind of funny how every sport you kind of meet it. I feel like when you're in a sport, it, for me, it's surfing. For you, it's fishing. But we meet all these athletes or um, influences and other things that want to be a part of what we do. Like for me, I surf and I want to be a part of yours or like maybe they do, maybe they're an actor, but they want to be into your show and like start fishing or whatever. Like everybody wants to get included in everything because everybody's so excited about everybody's stuff. Yeah. It's so cool. The grass is a little greener somewhere, but yeah, you're right. The celebrities definitely, I mean, surfing, I mean, everybody. And that's something that's not as easily attainable. Like you doing your surfing, that takes a lot of physicality. You know, you have to be limber and, 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 and your hand-eye coordination has to be like on point. And like when you're in a boat, you can kind of chill. You can kind of sit back and wait for the moment to fight a fish. And if I say, hey, pull up slow, wind down fast. If you can just kind of get a wide stance and do that, you're going to be fine. But like getting on a surfboard, that's another beast. I mean, that's not for everybody. <laughs> you have to be limber. You have to be able to pop up on a board. And that's half the hat's. That's more than half the battle. I mean, that's that's like most people get that front leg up and the back leg is still dragging behind them. And it's like, oh, you're not going to make it. Well, I'll take I'll take you surfing. You take me fishing. Yeah, that's a deal. We're going to do it. We really do need to go on a trip. I like looking through your Instagram and everything. What's your, shout out your Instagram handle real quick, because we got to get you some more followers. People need to see your stuff. It's amazing. I have two Instagrams. I, I, I had too many at one point because I had too many things going. But Peter. <laughs> so it's Peter Miller Uncharted Waters uncharted uh -huh. waters peter miller uncharted waters and then i have peter miller fishing peter miller fishing which is a verified account and that's kind of me that's who i am and then i have my show channel which is peter miller uncharted waters so either one of those is great and then i also have you know my facebook page which is peter miller uncharted waters my youtube channel peter miller uncharted waters and then i have the peter miller fishing site so i have both of those um i think between those like the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, I want to say it's probably like 500,000 followers total. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it's just, it's growing, it's growing. And, um, you know, now I'm on TikTok and it's called Peter Love Fish. Yeah. So I'm doing that too. And, you know, I put my first one up and I was like, wow, 2000 views. My daughter's like, that's really good, dad. And I'm like, <laughs> really? It is? I'm like, I don't know. And then I put one up the other day and it has like 11,000 views. And I'm like, huh. I think I like TikTok. This is a lot of fun. I asked Ryder uh, this question in the last podcast, but if people have questions regarding uh, bill fishing or anything, is it okay for them to DM you on there? And Yeah, of course. I try to respond yeah. to everything. I mean, when I say I try, it's, I pretty much do, you know, and, and uh, I go through yeah. it, you know, and uh, yeah. It can be hard though. Like I feel bad sometimes because you'll get, I don't know if you have the little request thing where it says like 99 plus requests for direct messages. So they have that little thing where you have to like scroll through and look at what people are saying to your stories or whatever. And I, it's hard to like get back to everyone Yeah, and you want to, but you're like, Oh shoot, there's a lot. And then you, next thing you know, your buddy's calling you to go surf for fish and you're like, Oh gosh, I gotta go. But yeah, I I'm the same way. I always try to get back to everybody regarding questions on it's surfing hard because, because what you do is you make a post and you yeah. have that time at that moment to make that post and you put a caption 
and you see some messages come through and then life happens, you know, yep. somebody needs something or you got to go do this. Or you have a meeting, you have a Zoom call before, you know, it's midnight and you got 57 messages or 57 comments and you haven't responded to them yet. So the next time I get to it is like sometimes it might be a day or two and then yeah. I'll, I'll respond to everybody. And one of my clients at Mercury, uh, she's the director of marketing over there. She goes, you know, what we like about you, Peter, you always get back with your with your uh, the people that leave comments. And that's something that a lot of people don't do. And she told, she started actually putting a mandate out to the other like hosts and other sponsored athletes that they really need to do what I was doing. And I was like, oh, now the pressure's on, you know. It's so good to do though. I love talking to people and giving them insight on surfboards or whatever it is. I mean, it's fun. People are very interested in our lives and we're lucky enough to be able to do it, especially with Salt Life and the family we have here. It's like, this is insane. We're so lucky. You're right. You're right. It's uh. I've, I have a lot of people that I answered questions like in long detail on DMs that, that follow me since 2007. I mean, we're talking 13, 14, going on 15 years. And they're like, you know, my first show was called Bastard Billfish B2B. And the guy always writes like hashtag B2B fan for life, you know, like stuff like that. <laughs> That's These so cool. kids that I met and they were like, like literally up to my waist. And now they're like six foot four. And I'm like, who are you? They're like, I met you at the boat show back in like 2008. I'm like, no way. Oh, yeah. And they show me a picture. I'm like, wow. That's really super cool. That is insane. Um, I have some more questions for you. I, I, we got to ask some more questions. I'm sorry, man. I don't, I hate interrupting, but I'm like, your life is interesting to me. It's very interesting. First off, when's your next event? Uh, let's see. Well, I just got off the, I just got off the line with a group in Africa that, uh, has proposed that we shoot on their property and do, um, basically a safari. And then they have a lake on their property where you catch these fish called tiger fish. And we're working with Qatar airlines uh, to help, uh, to get my crew and I over there. And they have like basically a 14 to 15 day, like trip kind of all mapped out already. And, you know, I've been to Africa before with my son, I took him there on a safari, but to film it, to get it like captured would be ridiculous. I did everything on my cell phone, excuse me. And, um, this, this is, would be the next big trip. And of course I go to Guatemala every year and, uh, we just finished up our season, uh, airing on Discovery, so I would say Africa would probably be the next the next shoot as long as we get Qatar Airlines behind us to fly us over there because that's a really big expense and I, I just it's can't very I can't yeah. afford to buy six six business class tickets to Africa. It's it's so expensive and it takes like thirty hours, doesn't it? Isn't yeah, it like it does. Yeah. So you went to Africa before? Where in Africa did you go? Uh, we went to we flew into Cape Town. And then we stayed there for like good two waves nights. There. Beautiful. And um, good waves there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've never, so I've never actually been to Africa, but I have a, I have a buddy that lives in South Africa. Um, and I see stuff on his Instagram. I'm just like, oh my goodness, I want to go. I want to go to Namibia really bad. There's a crazy, crazy wave there that I really want to surf. That's on my bucket list. But anyway, sorry. So you flew into Cape Town. We flew into Cape Town and then we spent a couple days there to kind of climatize. We ate there. The food was unbelievable. The exchange rate uh, was unbelievable. Yeah, I heard it's so cheap once you're there. Oh my God. I mean, I'm talking like towers of seafood. Like you normally in Miami, you go to for a tower, it's like $400 for a tower of seafood. This was like, you know, 80 bucks for two people. And then our we had these gorgeous boutique hotel rooms over on a cliff, overlooking the ocean, overlooking whales, like in the surf 
with an infinity pool, a sun setting, and I'm looking at all these things going, this is probably the prettiest place I've ever been to. And then then we toured and we saw the penguins. Then we went to the southernmost point and with it, you know, the the the, the uh, baboons walking all over the place. And so it's like you're seeing all this wildlife. Then you hop on a plane and you fly over to this area. We're going to Kruger National Park, which is kind of like they, they call it a beginner type safari. But let me tell you something. You, you land in this little baby airport and you get in the car to drive down this road to get to your safari, which is like two hours. I mean, you have rhinos crossing in front of you. This isn't like the zoo. Are this you is for kidding? real. And elephants. And he's like, oh, we better back up. The elephant's like flapping his ears. You know, this is not a good sign. And then the hippos and then the zebras and the impalas and the this and the that. You're like literally have seen it all by the time you even get to this place. And then you get there and they bring you to your room and the food and the drinks. And you wake up at like 4 a.m. You get the thing and you like, you know, driving through and there's a cheetah just ate an impala. And he's like chewing on an Apollo. Are you kidding? While you're driving through. It was unbelievable. And then the next day they hear, the trackers hear two lions like tearing apart something. And they assume it's like um, a Cape Buffalo, but we don't know. And they think they know where it is, where the sounds are coming from. The next morning we go over there and there's two lions completely covered like in blood with a dead Cape Buffalo with one of them had its head inside eating the insides out. And we're literally 10 feet from this thing. And the skin on the buffalo is like flexing with the breathing of the lion because he's in oh there puffing and eating. And, I, and my son and I were like, oh. and then we come up on prides of like, you know, like 10, 15 lions at once just sitting there and they just stare at you. And they don't care. It's, that's the weirdest thing. When you pull up in a, in a vehicle, I think they look at it like it's a moving bush or a moving tree. Like literally they, they don't, don't care. At all. They won't, except this one line. This one line did stare at me, man. I was like, oh, we're going to die. That's funny. That's That sounds like such a fun trip. Yeah. So is that this, is that the same place that you'd be going? No, I'm going someplace completely different. Like the, like the real, real deal, like Zimbabwe, like where you fly into Zimbabwe and, and the people we're dealing with over there have a few different camps and they want to feature each one of their different camps and do a little oh, bit cool. of each. When's your next season? I shoot six shows per year because it takes us a week to shoot uh, to get it. And then we do a month to edit. So we do yep. six months of editing and then we do like six weeks, seven weeks of shooting. So that's seven months. So we don't have much left in the year. So in between all that, I got to do everything else, you know? So it's kind of like yep. you got to live life a little bit and, and go to events and go to, you know, you know, and kind of stay busy. So it's not like we have like a cameraman like shooting, you know, over my shoulder, catching a basketball. Look at this one. We're doing a full cinematic adventure. The whole show is scored, you know, with music. I have 25 tracks on a 20 minute show, you know, and it's yeah. like crescendos as the fish hits the water, you know, and then the music gets, you know, erupts. The editing is probably so crazy to deal with, too. Like it's incredible. Yeah, that is so rad. Are, so you've been doing this for 50 years fishing and going on adventures and everything are you still is this just your passion and your love it's something you're going to do the rest of your life obviously oh yeah this is this is a hundred percent there's no there's no stopping i'm just going harder now than i ever have i kind of want to make it better and i want to kind of grow it and i want to share it and I, I love just the idea of you know fishing and cinematography and editing and and just i've always loved it since i was a little kid you know and um now yeah. living on a lake you know, I basically I'm on the water whenever and every day, you know, pretty much every day um, if I'm not offshore. And um, yeah, I see myself doing this all the way. And if I can't get offshore when I'm older, I'll, maybe I'll be doing a show off uh, from my lake. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. 
do you have any other like fishing trips besides Guatemala you do every year, any other stuff that you're going to do this year? Um, yeah, I typically go do a little Bahama stuff where we'll do some, uh, we'll do some free diving and maybe do some, uh, like for, for hogfish. And oh, so you free dive too. Yeah. A little bit, you know, nothing crazy. My friends are crazy. They'll go down like a hundred feet. Yeah. I go down like 25 feet. I want to get Cameron Kirkconnell on here also so bad and talk to him about that because he is insane. He's a salt life guy and it would be so fun to get him on here. Yeah, he really he really knows his stuff. He's one of the one of the best out there for sure. And uh, it's uh, it's it's a it's he, he really he's he's been around. So, yeah, in, in regards to traveling, I would say probably like Bahamas. I'd love to hit Cabo. Uh, Cabo yep. has a striped marlin fishery that's like ridiculous. We caught 284 marlin in three days. Wow. You know, from 60 pounds to 150 pounds. And, and I mean, that's like, you know, a place where you got to go. But, you know, the, honestly, the world is uh, our oyster, you know, if you will. And now I have an invite to Turkey to go to Turkey wow. and film a show in uh, Bodrum. And, um, invincible has a boat there that we can use. And that's so cool. You know, so things like that. So maybe it's going to be Africa, Guatemala, Turkey, who knows, who knows where else. And then it's always nice to do one at home too. I like to add like a, like one that's like, you know, that's easy, easier for us. Near and dear to your heart and easy to do. Yeah. But how, how out of the whole year, how often would you say you're gone or how, how often are you home? I would, I should say I'm home quite a bit. Cause I'm kind of a homebody, you know, you work really yeah. hard. And then when you get home, you just want to be home because you know, when you go out next time, you're going to be gone and you go like, I don't sleep for like five, six days at a time because we go so hard and then you're yeah. so wound up from everything that you can't really sleep. And then you go again and then you give it your all. And it's like your adrenaline doesn't stop flowing. And then when you finally get back to your house, it's like, Boom. And you're like, Oh yeah. You're just crashed out. Yeah. That's, I used to be gone for like almost 10 months out of the year, surfing, traveling, doing stuff. And it was like, I would come home for those two months or three months or whatever it was. And I would just cruise. Like it was the best thing ever. It was so, it don't get me wrong. The experiences you have when you're gone and traveling, it's so insane, but you do get so worn out and tired. It's crazy. There's a lot to it, a lot to it. Traveling and sitting in planes and Yeah. What uh? What kind of salt life gear you been getting into recently? Oh my god, they've been coming out with the best, the best stuff. You know, when I see that shirt you got on right now, that's so nice. Yeah, this 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 zip up here for like the neck. You know, when when you fish, it used to be like the buff. You know, everyone wore a buff, and that was the thing. And then you know this moisture, this moisture wick material, the texture, oh, so the stretchiness, nice. everything about these shirts is just like you know is, is honestly the best. They just and then they just sent me. They just sent me uh, bibs, uh, you know, like kind of like the Grundens, like style with the shoulder straps, and yep. the, you know, and those are lightweight, stretchy, and I've been I've been clamoring for those. Like, got to be so great if you had those. Originally, it was just kind of like rain pants, which are great as well, but this yep. is like next level. And they came out with a uh, thunder jacket, which is lightweight and waterproof, and the zippers are like watertight. So you can be out there with your cell phone in your pocket and zip it up in your chest with a watertight zipper and you're golden. So between that thunder jacket and those new bibs that they came out with that kind of go with the thunder jacket, it's just, it's just an incredible set. And then the shorts, of course, you know, yeah. everything from like, you know, going out to dinner to going surfing and going fishing and everything is so well thought out. These new sweatshirts that they came out with a buff built in with the hood has a small brim on it. So when you pull the hood on, the water's not dripping in your face and the materials yeah. are just like out of this world. 
We make amazing products. We really do. Yeah. I, I'm like always in board shorts, but recently I've been just wearing the hybrid shorts because they're so comfy and it's just so easy to walk around. And I can put my phone in my pocket. Like with board shorts, I'm stuffing my wallet and phone in the back or whatever. But um, yeah, I love their shorts. It's so good. And all the performance t-shirts, like you said, like are insane. And like all like go fish or whatever. And I'm like not putting a normal shirt on. I'm putting a performance shirt on because I want to stay like cool and like be flexible. It's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and, and they figure it out. And, and Jeff, you know, the CEO and, and his team, they, they, they travel all around the world to find these fabrics and they find these things and these cuts and they try everything out and they sample it out. And man, they send me boxes of clothes and I'm blown away. Everyone, I'm like, whoa, that's nice. And then you're in a room with, you know, fashionable women or younger kids or older people. Yep. Like, Whoa, this is really nice. Wow. I didn't, yeah. know. I thought they just made t-shirts. No, we make amazing, amazing stuff. It's, it's so rad. Salt life is like really like the, the top, the top of the line stuff. And it's, it's, it's just getting better and better and better. Yeah. We take so much time and well, like Jeff takes so much time and effort. I feel like to go make the best product is not just like, Oh, let's just put a logo on this and call it a day. Like, he wants the best stuff. Oh yeah. I remember he showed me his, his shirt. He said, Hey Peter, look at this. And he unbuttons it. And, and he shows me a measuring tape on the inside of his liner of his shirt of a button down shirt to measure a fish. And I'm like, no Man, way who comes up with this. And then the sweatshirt, I put my hands in the pockets and then I see that there's like an, uh, like a Kevlar plier holder in the sweatshirt. <laughs> For your fishing pliers. And I'm like, what? Every Everything they do is just kind of like next level. And he just keeps making it better and better and better. And he doesn't tire. And he's on a plane. I want to say every single week he's going somewhere. He's a workaholic. A workaholic. He's a legend. So rad. Peter, dude, thank you so much for coming on. I don't know. I, I could talk to you for hours. I know that. But um, I'm going to cut it short. I actually have to go lifeguarding a little bit here. So going to do that today. Um, but yeah, dude, thank you so much for coming on give yourself another shout out on all of your stuff just to make sure we got that cleared up because everybody's got to see your Instagram. It's just Peter Miller fishing. You said, well, there's Peter Miller fishing and then there's yep. Peter Miller uncharted water uncharted. Yep. Yeah. And that's on from Twitter to Instagram to Facebook on both. So Peter Miller uncharted waters and Peter Miller fishing and stay tuned for the uncharted waters on discovery channel and all of your shows coming up. I, I really want to watch the one in Africa. If that happens, that's insane. Yeah, man, I'm going to have a call with them probably right after you and I talk and, and figure out that deal. And then if anybody want to, wants to watch the show, um, I have the shows on my YouTube channel, or you can stream it on Amazon prime. All, uh, I believe they have, uh, 17 shows on there right now. And oh, wow. waypoint, uh, waypoint TV also has all 17 shows. Um, and they are, they are made from pure love and work and sweat and grit and grind. And, uh, you know, 17 shows is like, you know, 17 months of editing and I don't even know how many weeks of, of shooting and, and, and traveling, but man, it's, 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 it's amazing. So thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking with you and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll go fishing and surfing one of these days. Uh, absolutely. We're going to make it happen. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you next time on Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. Thanks for listening to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Salt Life. If you've enjoyed this podcast, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast to help spread the word. Stay salty. Phew.